I'm right at home. I'm, I've always got hit. I've always got headphones on. So you do? Like, nearly always. I'm like check. The, what do you think of these ones? You know these ones? Uh, yeah, actually, I have them. You I have, have them? I have, a, I, have a, I have a set. They're pretty. They're pretty good. Yeah. They're pretty good. I like them. I mean, the thing about those kind of head Bluetooth headphones, the only thing about them is that the light, the little lights on the side are yeah. super bright. Right. So it's kind of, it's like on a plane or whatever. It's like, it's like the, when they turn the lights up, it's super bright for other people. So right. it's a little bit like, oh. Yeah, you feel like self-conscious about it? I feel a little it? bit like, oh man, what, is, my, is my Bluetooth move, are my Bluetooth moves like just kind of messing, with, messing, annoying somebody else's rest. You know? That's an enormous amount of sensitivity. Well, towards others. You know, sometimes you gotta think about people. Oh, it seems like that. It seems like you must do that a lot, man. I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't make that claim. <laughs> but it's true because I've never once thought about. I wonder if my Bluetooth lights are affecting others. <laughs> just and I'm it. a relatively, I feel like, you know, sensitive person. Well, you know, so you must be really sensitive. It's a com- I'm giving you a compliment. Well, well, thank you. It's also I, I, I have a tendency to wear wear you know like I'll, I'll wear them to bed and yeah. you know and, and my wife was like you know okay you know, in that case. Bluetooth <laughs> and I was like oh maybe this light is annoying to other people. Yeah, it's strange. You know, there are things you just don't think about so much. Right. But um, I don't know. It's a it's a, it's a modern life is. It's so wild, dude. It's, it's weird. We're in we're in weird, 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 and getting weirder times. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Because well, uh, it's, it's like we're up in each other's spaces in a way that's never existed in history. Like you know, the amount of the amount of judgment, the amount of, yeah. uh, the amount of observation, right, and the amount of judgment. And sensitivity, and sens- sensitivity or insensitivity, like it's yeah. it's like things are going on that are like, okay, that's still happening, but we've moved on to the next kerfuffle, the next insane. It's it's thing. on it's on a it's on a time loop. You can like you could set your clock to the next thing you need to be outraged about. It's true, and I feel like that's almost like jarring people to a point that they can never come into an internal space, right? And I feel like that's almost like a conspiracy. Well, people are shutting down. Well, people are kind of they're engaging. Then they're they're it's too much engagement. Then they they then they're sh- trying to shut it, shut it down. But then they get pulled back in again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be uh, it can be debilitating. You have to kind of it like the thought about like what's happening with certain groups of people it's like it's disturbing it's disturbing and it's like well mm-hmm. how much are you going to care about it like what are you going to do about it mm-hmm. then you know it's just like you hear about a disaster and people want to jump in and give money mm-hmm. but then people caution you well i know you want to help but if you do you, you don't know where the money's going right and then i think a lot of people they actually do want to help but then they have to be concerned with well, if I if I am I giving the money to the wrong person, mm-hmm. you know, is it not gonna? Is it gonna like? Is the NGO not gonna? Is it all gonna go to their expenses and not gonna go to the people that need it? And they're, these they're, they're they're all all the time they're these kind of negotiations and considerations that we have to make in this kind of weird social, public, private, 
yeah. space. Well, it's interesting too. Like you were talking about headphones and Bluetooth things, and like, have you ever heard of the idea that wearable technology like that is sort of uh, prepping us to to being chipped? Like it's getting us used to the idea well, of constantly having technology on us, so then they can like chip us. Well, I think it's convenience, right? The, yeah. the, the convenience is the little blue devil on your shoulder right like convenience yeah. is the thing you know like the idea of the idea that your refrigerator should be intelligent right and you know your milk is spoiled and you want your refrigerator yeah. to to contact your smartphone and tell you to get milk my milk's not spoiled that's kefir and it's and it's got <laughs> right and 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 you have to say to yourself well how smart do I want my appliances to be? I actually don't want my I don't want my appliance to be hackable. I don't right? want them to be smarter than me. Exactly, because that's <laughs> exactly because the the thing is we're sold on convenience. Yeah, it's so convenient to do this, all kinds of things, uh-huh. and we're always given the best case scenario, right? The the advertisers and the marketers are always giving us the best case scenario. Yeah, and they're never. No one will Tells ever us the downside. Like no one will ever. It's just like why you watch a drug company advertisement and people are happy and they're playing and this thing is supposed to help you with your blue moods and then the the crawl or the the voice afterwards goes really fast and they you know they say oh you know you may have su- suicidal ideation you may have thoughts of suicidal bad dreams blah blah mm-hmm. blah is one of the side effects of the thing that's supposed to relieve yeah your moods and one of the side effects is that it's going to plunge you into the worst possible mood you know? yeah do you know that erectile dysfunction was a condition invented by an ad company after they made viagra which was a which was a blood pressure medication that they realized positive side effect that they had a positive side effect and sure. then so they created a condition and then they marketed that condition yeah and they, and 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 also all kind of medicalized terms yeah um, you know, ADHD, like things that we didn't. Yeah, ADHD. That's putting everybody on speed. And sort of like, and sort of like things is, like, um, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder. Like yeah. the idea that it's a the disordering of things and the fact that okay, you're you're not normal. Right. So we can we want to get you to a baseline of normal, whatever that is. Yeah. And you need to take this thing. And unfortunately, the side effect of this thing is that it's going to make you even more obsessive and even more compulsive. Yeah, well, in, the, in terms of Adderall, it certainly does. Um, but like with the chipping thing, that's going to mm. be more than convenience because they're going to like sell us on becoming superhuman. They're going to sell sure. us on like, uh, you know, it ultimately like protecting our health and knowing everything, yeah. you know. So. Everybody's going to want the, t- but everybody's going to want the tech. You think like, you would you get shit? Well, the thing the thing that's so funny about it is, um, would I get? It depends on what the chip is for. But then it's it's strange because what you're doing is that you're you're being a beta tester. Right. Like basically, if you're agreeing to be chipped, you're you're take you're actually going to be part of a control group, a really large control group, mm-hmm. because there are going to be bugs. And they're going to be people that are going to be sent, you know, they're going to you know, have psychotic breaks because of the chip 
or they'll be locked out of this, or they or they'll they'll send an EMP post that kills all of the electronics around them, or some crazy thing's going to happen, right. and then those people, and they'll say, oh well, you know, uh, these customers experience these defects, so let's go back to the drawing board, and that's part of, that's part of the problem of the early adopter. The early adopters of technology are still part of the program of the tech of the. They're still part of the technological program. You yeah. get you get the first version of it, so that the thing that goes wrong goes into the next version of the product. Yeah. What do you think? Do you know simulation theory? That this that is all, all simulation. I think that's bullshit. You do? I do. No. I think simulation theory is, you know, it's it's a thought experiment gone terribly, terribly wrong. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, it's all I did. We're in a simulation because there are things that just, you know, it's like talking about intelligent design. Like, yeah. please explain to me. The reason for snot. Like, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of pus and snot? Yeah, that's like, uh, that's a good point. Why would they put that in the simulation? Why would you put, you know, why why would you put diarrhea in a simulation? If it was a simulation, this that is, would be. This, this is pretty good. I, I got I got no counter to this. You know, like why would you put why would you put like you know like all the grody, gross, weird, unfortunate like things that happen to a human being, to happen to a person, mm-hmm. that happen in the world, why would you have those in a simul why would that why would that be simulated? It's mm-hmm. actually happening. I think all of it is a happening. I think yeah. it's a happening and it's gonna happen till it stops happening. Mm-hmm. And uh I don't think we're we're there's no, you know, the, I, I just don't believe that uh, you know, if there was a creator out there they're not going to explain it you know they're busy trying to figure out their own existence you know you know right like the whole idea of a god is like the god got all the answers i think this creature or this personage has it's, it's intelligence is having its own existential crisis right and he's playing it out through us and you know what i mean and their existential crisis is like you know is why did i invent snot you know why did i invent snot what's the purpose <laughs> of snot and, and pus you know what i mean yeah. it just it just doesn't you know like thinking about thinking about the cycles of uh of um uh, uh I, w- I was gonna say predation but uh, um what's the other thing uh when you have when you have a host and uh, parasites oh, you know pr- predation is pr- like a no, predator thing no no not, not predation but um parasites you know okay, like yeah. super in, in you know like the snail the zombie snail that gets eaten by the thing and mm-hmm. the other thing shits out the thing and another thing eats that and then you know what i mean it winds or up being it's like a parasites bana- amongst humans also it's like bananas right it's it's relationship parasitic relationships yeah, that it, exist you know it's kind of like why do we have like well to talk about predation does that mean predatory behavior predatory predation? behavior but i'm actually talking about teeth and claws okay like you know we we have um uh, a situation where animals live literally survive off of other animals like this animal gets its protein from a particular other animal it has yeah. to attack that animal this insect is does its thing it, it lays it goes in the sand it lays yeah. the trap and this other insect comes by and it goes and snatches it you know what i mean yeah. like the alien from the movie you know just kind of bounces out and right. gets tom scarrett you know what i mean uh-huh. it's that sort of thing like, but in real time, you know yeah. what I mean. But maybe that makes okay if the or the, maybe that makes. I was gonna say the simulation, but I don't believe this is a simulation I either. I don't think. But it's I'm a just sim- saying, like, maybe that stuff makes this realm 
interesting because it has a yin and the yang. Maybe snot is necessary because snot is like the opposite of sunshine. Well, snot, you know, <laughs> I mean, eventually, you know, you think about the past, right? Yeah. They didn't have underarm deodorant. They didn't have mouthwash. They didn't have perfume. I forgot to put some on today. They, didn't have, so, they, don't, have any, they don't have any of that. They didn't yeah. have any of that, right? Yeah. So you think about the past. People think about the past in a funny way, but, you know, it was funky. People were also drunk all the time. People Dude, did you people, ever read that? Like the something like the renegade history of America? Like they were drunk out of their mind the whole right? time. Yeah. Like, it, like crazy. Anyway, keep going. Yeah. So they're drinking like room temperature beer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I know. It was at like all hookers time. and drunks. And, and, and these people were the ones that made history. People were paid in booths. Yeah. They were paid. In, so... You know, 100%. all of these things were going on, and then coffee. You know, coffee came in, and coffee was like the wonder drug. You know, mm -hmm. you wow, you perk you up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. your workforce is ba 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 ba. You know, so that so that happened. You know what I mean? And this whole idea of substances, you know, it's uh, uh, it's really. I've been actually listening to Terrence McKenna. You know, the you I know, love him. And Terrence McKenna's idea is that you know it's because of psilocybin and that we evolved. That we evolved. That actually consciousness evolved because we ate these fungi these fungi and these various substances mm -hmm. and suddenly we became self-aware yeah became, oh whoa you know and, and and at that point some a similar thing was happening around the world and this it's it's an interesting and people have you know kind of argued you know against but he's he really you know listening to him a bunch of his youtube lectures you know in the yeah. last really um Really, in the last few months, it's very interesting his point of view. Absolutely about 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 consciousness and about cult, what culture is and the, the the kind of limits to to thinking that are placed. You know, the limits of gender, the limits of these roles, mm -hmm. patriarchy, cultures of all kinds. This whole idea that this this thing is shaped by you know, there's a normal. But the normal is something made up. It's all made up. We're all making it up. Right. And yeah. the difference is that grandma did it, so you can't. <laughs> that's what we're doing because grandma did it. You know, a yeah, grandpa, but, really yeah. grandpa. Yeah. Um. Do, do have you messed with any psychedelics? No, you, but you know, I've I've been an anti-drug person my entire life, mm -hmm. and I have to say that in the last couple of years, you know, it's it's the one thing I have no interest in heroin or cocaine or no, any of these things. Those are None. bullshit. Dude. Yeah, no, but no psychedelics are medicinal, but psych but and yeah. they are expansive, and it's particularly some of the like you, I think, would probably well, garner the, a lot from part some of the those reason, Part of the reason why I don't I don't discount it is because of Hendrix, Aldous Huxley, exactly. you know, the Aldous Beatles. Aldous Huxley, like, do you know how when he died, the story of his death, mm. that he uh, had his wife shoot him up with a bunch of LSD, right, as the moment he was passing over. Wow. Isn't that wild? That's that in totally his Wikipedia. Wild. Like, and it's not like, I would think that would be like, you know, like one of the coolest death stories ever. Like he went out tripping his balls off. Well, he was, he was very concerned because he was very, he was, he was, he was, um, convinced that these were tools for, that would save humanity. And he yeah. was very concerned about the abuse that it would become recreational. Mm -hmm. He was like, he thought it should be under strict supervision of people that knew what was going on. And, and he was just like, man, you know, if it just becomes something, a party drug, that will miss the point. Yeah. So it's like sort of like the idea of the door, going through the doors of perception and then bringing things back, you know, like so Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds or the stars that play with Laughing Sam's Dice. You know, the, you know these artists went out there yeah. and they brought back their observations 
and they shared those observations with the world. And that's the value is is a kind of um, to break out of um, a, you know, to break out of conditioning, yeah. to break out of right wrong duality, and and to kind of you know actually see other pathways, and see other pathways, and then be able to access them. Yeah, well, it's it's intelligent stuff, all that kind of stuff, psychedelics. Like, so it's it's commingling with other forms of intelligence that expand your intelligence. You know, like you know, like one of the things that's been said is like people have taken one trip and they're and they're cool. Like, it's not like you have to be a habitual users. Like, no. people went on a trip, they took ayahuasca, and they were like, "Oh, I'm part of everything, and everything's part of me." But it's not the intellectual. Like anyone can say that. Yeah. But they know it. They've experienced they it. They actually feel it at a cellular level. And once you've experienced it at a cellular level, like you can walk away from it going, right. Yeah. Like, you know, like all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know what I mean? The beautiful. Yeah. Um, all of it has a role to play. Yeah. Well, microdosing too might be a way to like, go go into it for you if you like because that's like very mild right and it can just elevate you a little bit and just exactly. sort of like especially playing music with it like i can't imagine what you would come up with well like, this is this is the thing about the imagining you know because um the whole idea of other worlds and other ways of interacting other ways of thinking about tonal organization about lyrics about you know mm -hmm. part of this part of the thing is well thinking about the end result i mean we've been conditioned you know, just just as a class, you know, creatives, mm -hmm. we've been conditioned to think about the end result. Like we want to do the thing in order for the thing to happen. Right. So, like this idea of, uh, you know, like a, combining these tones and these words, and you know, getting it licensed to this other thing, and then this will elevate my station. This will elevate. This will help my family. Blah blah blah. And and we move away from the thing for its own sake. And it's kind of like thinking of the end result as an outgrowth of, like the quote-unquote idea of success or whatever is an outgrowth of exploration, not like putting the end in front mm. and going, you know what, I want to achieve this goal. Like people say, I want to make the new music. It's an artificial thing. Like everything that's cool happened by accident. Like yeah. what you want, what we really want is to create the conditions for happy, unexpected accidents to happen. Yeah. And and also to have observers who are, are clued in enough to go, and that observer could be a quote-unquote producer, if you will. Because you can't, because the per participants should be free from the burden of having to think about the context of the thing, right? So you have like an observer that goes, you know what, that's dope. That's dope. That's incredible. That's interesting. And maybe cut out like, you know what, this thing and then and have the creative process not be infected with, you know, I'm really hope this is gonna be top ten. Cause right. just cause the hope of it's just the hope for the thing. It's like wanting to play well. Yeah. The desire to want to play well is the barrier to playing well. It's literally the thing that's blocking. I'm speaking in terms of, for me, in terms of improvisation or right. having a moment, like concern about the audience 
because well, it puts you in your head. It, it puts totally in your head. And it gets you out of the flow state. Exactly. It's like somebody told me yesterday um, uh, that uh, Josh Radner came on the podcast and he, he said, Miles Davis said he, he never plays a show or something. He just rehearses in front of the audience. Like that kind that of li- mind, well, that kind know, of liberation of just not. That's ca- why sound check. Yeah. That's why sound check. When the sound check is dope, that's actually bad. Like right. That's always like, the kiss of death. Like, it's the kiss. It's you like know what when I mean? It's like terrible. You know the show is going to be amazing. Exactly because the universe doesn't understand sound check. Mm-hmm. The universe doesn't understand. The universe doesn't understand demo. Demo doesn't exist. Yeah. Demo. There's engagement. There's yeah. making contact or not making contact. Right. So. Really, all sound checks could be essential, should be essentially line checks. Is it sounding good? Can you hear? Can you hear? Mm-hmm. We're done. We're done. And like, well, I'm really, I want to go. No, 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 no. Mm-mm. It's like, or, or don't go through the whole, t- please don't go through the line. Please don't do a solo in the sound check. It's like, right. okay, this is working. That's working. Can you hear so? Right. We're done. Yeah. It's because, because the point of contact, I've seen it again and again and again. I've, it's happened to me again and again, and I've seen it happen with other performers. Yeah. Like, you know, someone's like on their back during the sound check and they're wailing. It's like, that's not going to happen during the gig. You did it. You, right. You, you kind of did it, and because you've already Your done it. Your soul expressed it already. It's not going to, you're not going to, there are no do-overs. You're not going to recapture the firefly. The firefly floated in front of you. You grabbed the firefly. The flyer, that firefly is not going to be in the same spot. Right. So that that's something that's like because we have anxiety and we want to do well and blah blah blah. It's fighting against the present moment, mm-hmm. and the present moment is whatever it is. Like being let it, being cool with whatever it is. So you know, like one of the things is like okay, I'm like uh, I want to play well. You know, it's a desire. I want you know because, but that is in the way of it actually happening. And that's one of these weird things to negotiate. Kind of like a Zen thing. It really, it it really is, and it's not. But it's also when you're in an ensemble, it's not just you, right? It's not just about you being dope. It's mm-hmm. like you need your bassist, you need the person on flugelhorn, you need the drummer, especially the drummer. You want you want everyone to do well. That's like you you should want everyone in the neighborhood if to have a, a good so- life. I was just about to say, if you're a solo performer, it's also between you and the audience. The audience also has to support the thing. That's it. In some kind of way. And if and you know, because the thing about a performance, a performance can be, um, can really go meta, and and met and not in a good way. So it's like what's meta? Meaning to say, it's self-referential. It's like kind of like waving waving your iPhone or waving your lighter. You know what I mean? Like, if it's a genuine outgrowth of the thing that's happening, it's a beautiful thing. Right. But if it's like, this is the expected gesture at the expected time, it's a kind of performance of a performance. Yeah. You know, it's like, sort of like, um, when somebody's doing the thing that's representative of the thing. They're not doing the thing. They're doing the representation of, like, talk about, is everything a simulation? Right. That's kind of what I'm talking about. It's like, you yeah. go to a rock and roll gig, and it'd be, and the audience is faking, and the band is faking, uh-huh. and everybody's being fake, 
together yeah and everybody will walk away saying we had a good time <laughs> i agree with you on yeah. all of that but then when you play live how do you, do you just what's different how do you make so, it different so so the thing is preparation ahead of time and then letting go of the, the end result yeah. So making sure your hands are loose, making sure, you know, when you pick up the guitar, it's not a total stranger to you necessarily. Yeah. So preparation, but not obsessively, I'm just, you know, not obsessively doing it. Like right. preparation and then. But not obsessive preparation. Not obsessive preparation. But enough preparation. Enough. I've um, gone under preparation before, like not enough. Under prep can I, be. I, I, I've done that, you know. Oops. Hold on. Hey there. Oh, you're running cold now? Okay, I got it. Okay. <laughs> we can just to be continued. To be continued. Everything's yeah. running. Thanks, Vernon. Oh, great. Great, 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 great. Ah, I don't know. Call doesn't call the personality oh, now? Yeah. Hey. Well, you, you just kind of uh, disproved everything you said because that sound check was wailing. <laughs> well, you know, that's yeah, because because <laughs> ain't no gig later on. You know, it's just, it's just uh, hitting it. Right, that's right. You know what I mean? This I mean, is for Saturday, this right? Is the this is for Saturday. This, this, this is like, but yeah, but you know, it's just kind of fun to kind of go through it. Yeah. And, well, you know, the stakes are, there's no stakes, right? There's right. no stakes at all. It's not like there's going to be an audience later on, so... That same principle, it always applies on a show, in, on a performance day. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to keep it at, you want to keep it at, at half. It's not like, you want to kind of keep it at half or lower intensity on a level. Mm. Go through the whole thing, but don't just, you know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think genius is? What is genius? Genius is, um, genius is doing consistently what happens to all of us, all of the rest of us occasionally mm. everyone occasionally can have a moment of light can have a moment of the, you know the perfect pitch mm -hmm. the perfect foul shot the you know what i mean that can happen you know what i mean the perfect note bend can mm. happen to a rank beginner genius is that that's the baseline mm and a constant exploration of other possibilities. So in, in other words, so Prince and I are the same. We were both born in 1958. Mm -hmm. So the thing about listening to Prince was that I could, he saw the day the earth stood still, the same, he saw Michael Rene, you know, when I saw Michael Rene. Mm -hmm. He heard the, the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan. He, you know, experienced, he experienced Bull Connor's dogs on you know, Walter Cronkite talking about that, you know, we were the same age. Mm -hmm. The difference is he heard Weather Report, you know, Miles Davis, you know, the same same times that I did, right? The difference is <laughs> he's a genius. <laughs> like he literally, like to me, when I heard um, 1999, mm -hmm. those chords, I said, this guy's been listening to Joe Zawinul. Mm -hmm. The sound of it, the approach, like interesting. He heard mysterious travel. Like I could hear, he heard mysterious traveler for like it was no doubt in my mind yeah. that mysterious traveler was part of his listening. Yeah. He just turned that into a, into the ultimate party jam. Like he took that input, yeah, from the very kind of 
you know, kind of on the further edge of yeah. the fusion thing. Yeah. And he just turned it into a party jam. Because did you play with Prince ever? I've, I've, I've had uh, just a couple played with him, like jammed with him like once and had a couple of encounters with him. Uh-huh. And um, it was funny because we always had a uh, just a friendly... Like he like there were a couple of times. One time I was in Minneapolis, uh-huh. and I'm walking around. I was in Minneapolis, I think, with living with living color definitely. And this yellow lotus, I heard, "Hey Vern!" <laughs> <laughs> I heard, "Hey Vern!" I turned, and it was this yellow lotus mm-hmm. sports car. Right. And and I saw Glenn, and he was rolling up the window, and he zoomed off. Yeah. And I was like, "What the?" And it was it was him, you know. Yeah. And um, and then I, there was this thing. He was in New York playing at the Palladium, and I was living at the time on Thirteenth Street. And his 13th limo, and what? Thirteenth between third between third and fourth. Okay, I was living in the, Amer- the American Thread Building. I'm in that neighborhood now. You know how it go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how it go. Yeah, in Union Square, mm-hmm. you know the run-ins. Yeah, and um, and he just you know his limousine was was. On Third Avenue and Window World, yo, Burn, mm-hmm. yo, man, what you doing, man? So I live on the. I'm playing it, blah blah blah, you know. So, that's so cool. that so that turned into like a, a crazy evening. That's like a moth story. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Go was, into it. Oh, it was you know, uh, it was a long night. I'll, I'll put. I'll, I'll just say. I'll just say that it was. Um, it was a full evening. It was. It was. You know, there was some a couple of things that happened that were really interesting. And uh, like what? Like, um, so a friend of mine. So you know, I won't talk about the. I won't talk about the, the stage thing. That yeah. was. That's a whole other thing. But the funny thing that happened was that you know because I, you know, I was invited to go to be part to go to the VIP right. Mm-hmm. So I'm walking to the VIP area after the gig. And it's a bunch of celebrities, Lenny Kravitz and a bunch of folks. So I'm going in and I saw a friend of mine, a, a woman who shall remain nameless, who very, very professional, put together person. And she essentially had a, a, an almost meltdown because of the proximity to Prince. Mm. And she literally was babbling. I have to meet Prince. Please introduce me, Prince. You gotta, you gotta introduce me, Prince. I have to meet Prince. You understand? I'm his biggest fan. I have to meet Prince. Please introduce me, Prince. Like it was, and, and, and I'm not doing it justice. Right. It was. It was over the top. It was over the top. It Might have been drug induced. It sounds like cocaine. No, no, I don't think so. I think it was. I think it was. She was that much of a fan. Oh, okay. And and it got to a point where she was starting to oscillate at a certain. So it was like she's gonna have a complete meltdown. Meltdown, and I. And I just turned to her and said, okay, be cool. Mm. I'm going to bring you in. You got to stay. You gotta stay. And she instantly, like, she instantly got it together. And the whole time, like, one of the security guards was just watching mm. the interaction. And he just got this amused, bemused smile on his face. Mm-hmm. And it was a smile that said, you know, if anything goes wrong, I'm grabbing you first. Mm, to you. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. If anything goes wrong, if she goes crazy. Uh-huh. It's your fault. It's, it's, <laughs> if, she, if, she, if she go crazy, mm-hmm. I'm yoking you. Yeah. So it was very clear that, you know. And and um, 
I walked, I walked in, and you know, there was just a, you know, and Prince was holding court, and there was a bunch of people hanging around. And as we were walking towards him, she's, she's getting together, but she's starting to oscillate. Like literally, she's starting. She's going. To, to, she's, she's going again. Like as we're getting close, <laughs> she, like her shoulders start to go, and she's you know, she like, so like, I, like I said, I'm thinking to myself. I've got to get this done because she's going to completely lose it. Lose it. Yeah. And I was like, hey, man, there's this friend of mine who really, she's a huge fan. She really wants to meet you. And he looked at me. And it was a funny, it was this moment yeah. of real uncertainty. Mm. He could have said, no, nah, man. He sensed it. Oh, he said, no. No, 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 he didn't. He, he could have said, he, he said no, nah, man. Oh, he, he just, said, no, man. But he just was like, and so he said, I won't say her name, he said, hmm? And she, he said, nice to meet you. Uh-huh. Touched her hand. And when he touched her hand, uh-huh. she, 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 no, she, she kind of, she right before the introduction, she again sucked it in. Uh-huh. She became a solid mass. She touched his hand. But upon touching his hand mm-hmm. she started to to quiver to and then I quickly just kind of got her out the room mm-hmm. before it went sideways because it was it was it was it was already too much yeah and um so that was a and uh and and when I took her out of the room the security guard looked at me like hmm okay <laughs> you handled it. Yeah, he right. He gave me that. <laughs> he gave me props. He gave me like, oh, okay. That's cool. Was you that know? the night you jammed with him? That was the same. That was the night that I jammed, and it's a long. Like I said, it's a longer story that I'm not gonna get into. But it was, but it was a, it was, it was funny. It was a fun. It was a, it was a, it was a, a kind of. It was one of those nights. You have one of those nights where it's just like, wow, I can't believe that this is happening, and wow, you know, yeah, you know, it was. Really like the like the time I played ping pong with Bill Wyman. That's funny. What happened there? He beat the pants off of me. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's like those guys, the Rolling Stones, those are guys that are snooker and uh-huh. pool yeah. and poke. Like they're like you know, they're that shit's backstage they're all sharks. the time. Yeah, they're they're sharks, right? Yeah. And um it was so funny, yeah. There was so I played ping pong with Bill Wyman and he just beat beat up on me. And then um there was another time when the Rolling Stones had, had uh, hired a a background singer. It was at a certain part of their tour that we were on, and um, and she was, uh, you know, really petite. Well, no, not she was beautiful. I mean, there were all the women were were beautiful, but she <laughs> had her heels on. And we were, we had been playing ping pong. It was ping pong and, mm-hmm. and a pool table. So we were playing ping pong. And she says, oh, do you mind if I play? And she beat the shit out of in us. In high heels. In high heels. Like, we couldn't do nothing with it. Was not, she counteracted. I mean, because each of us had their own, like, we had all our, because we played a lot. So we mm-hmm. had our own kind of back, we had our all kind of spins. And, you know, where the ball would hit the paddle and go, you know. Yeah. And she counteracted everything. There was That's nothing funny. like we like like everything we did, she played ping pong and she didn't take off her shoes. She was in high heels and we couldn't do nothing with them. All four of us 
played her, and she, it was like. It's tw- funny and what the, you and remember. It was like twenty-one. I mean, the scores were in. They were embarrassed. It was like twenty-one-five, twenty-one-ten, twenty-one-eight. You bringing up Joe Zawinall? Is that how you say it? Joe Zawinall. Joe Zawinall. That reminds me of Jaco Pistorius. Oh yeah, man. And and he was like always trying to seek his approval, right? Did you see that documentary? You knew Jaco, right? Yeah. Yeah, Jocko was a, you know, Jocko's a really special dude. Yeah, he was my hero. I mean, up. and so it's so. I, I remember when I found out about Jocko being killed. I was mad. I was more mad. Yeah. Than I was sad. I was sad, of course, but I was really angry because it felt so stupid. It felt like such a stupid it was way. A waste. Such. I mean, this. Dude was he like okay so the, all the flashy stuff of him playing bebop on the on, on the fretless bass one mm-hmm. it's like you have to list like you listen to his playing mm-hmm. with Joni Mitchell right blue or no Mingus you know Mingus, Mingus Hijira yeah. he's playing yeah. on, on Hijira is it's so sensitive it's so inside of the the feeling of the tunes right like he had just a real he wasn't just a bad cat he nah. was like. Musical as hell. He was just, he was in it. I mean, you hear him on Bright Size Life, you know, the Pat Metheny record. Mm-hmm. He's just. I love that stuff. And, I mean, he's so, you know, so he was just, um, he was just a, a, just a special person. Yeah. And, and he had his issues. He had his problems. I mean, but, but man, you know, I mean, he was a remarkable, just remarkable. And, um, you know, and some people, you know, they, they lionize him a little too much to me. Right. But he was real, the real deal. He was an incredibly special musician. Yeah. And um, and some of his tunes, like Continuum, off of his first record. I mean, it's, I mean Portrait of Tracy. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelie- like, you know, like, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, you know the thing I always think about with you is uh, for when we met at Peter Gabriel's studio at Real World, yeah, and I re- always remember you playing guitar on one of his tracks because it was at recording week and all yeah. those different musicians yeah. were there, and then and Joe Strummer and all these people. Joe Strummer was, was, was wi- there. It was wild. And Strummerville and all yeah. that, and Carl Wallinger, yeah. and and there was a one time Chad when, Blake. Chad Blake, oh I worked God. with him a bunch. Yeah, you know. John Leckie was there. So it was it was crazy. I mean it was it was a, such a Usrinovus. Yeah. Was there I mean, you know and Yeah, the Das Ball family. So yeah. that was a special week. It was a wild happening. That's when I got signed. I was like my first I was working at a guitar shop like a month before right. that. Wow. So that was like my intro into showbiz. I just thought that's how it was. Like cuz you know when you're a kid and you imagine making it, you enter a magic realm. Of course. So that actually literally happened to me because that was my first going into it and that was a magical realm. I didn't even know that yeah, it wasn't he, always he just was, like that. He was incredible. I remember him saying he was so taken with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He yeah. was like, man, this guy is, is a brilliant songwriter. I was like, man, you know, it was like, because I I'd never heard of you. And you then, were real and, supportive of me oh, too. Yeah. You I were pre- great. You were great. And you, the thing I liked is that you, had a different like you would do stuff like you had like acoustic guitar and you had pedals like you had like yeah. you were like looping your acoustic guitar yeah. and I thought I love the fact that he's dealing with technology at this level yeah that's just he's just engaged with it but it's not he's not making it's not a big deal 
It's right. just a, his methodology. But the fact that he's doing it with acoustic guitar, I thought was very, really fresh. Yeah. You know what I mean? You were like one of the first people. Yeah, the loop. To, to, do, to, to do that yeah. as a thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I, I, you know, it's, and it's always been, when I've run into over the years, we're bonded because you know because that was so strange that i was even there yeah because how i wound up there was i was work i was doing a, a thing with how did you wind up there? because I, I played with a poet named jessica hagedorn uh-huh and i did a a duet like a duet performance with her yeah and it was me and like some like a drum machine or something and, and we're doing some of her poems i was playing kind of part things yeah and somebody was there and said man would you would you be interested in coming Mm-hmm. To you know, Peter Gabriel's doing this thing. Would you be interested in participating? Participating, and I was like, "Hell's yeah!" Yeah. And the next thing you know, you know, we were in Bath. You know, that we were in the studio, and there was a river going <laughs> in the middle of the studio. Yeah. It was the most incredible recording facility. Yeah. I mean, I, it was it was what there were like eight or nine studios. different studios, and yeah. Peter, and literally, Peter had two of everything. Like yeah. he had prototype, he had shit I'd never seen. But I was like, "What the hell is that?" Right. I think he had like one of the first Sherman filter banks or something. He was like, "What's that?" Yeah, you know? he bought SSL just to keep that company alive because he had so many SSLs or something. And, like that. And you know what was so funny about him was that he was in. He had this one studio where everything was in the room. Like the there was no separate boot. Like the control yeah. room, like his main room, like yeah, off and, in the corner. Yeah, and he had a the, he had a and he um. And you're thinking, you know, he's going to sing through fancy. He had a 58. Mm-hmm. And he was singing in this 58. Yeah. And he sounded just like Peter Gabriel. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was, it was, it was like, it was, ama- you know, it was an amazing experience. I remember you getting ready to play a guitar part, like a recording, because everyone was like improvised recording. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, there was, everybody was there when you were about to do it. I just remember it was at night. It was a vibe. Mm-hmm. And you played one, and, and and I don't know, you played one note over and over again across the whole track, like this drone. I'll never forget that. Oh, yeah. It was dope, because it was like not sure what you would play over it, and plus your style it can tend to be like frenetic or yeah, like, right. you know, like, you yeah. know, and you did the actual, actual uh, the opposite. opposite of that. You know, I started doing this thing where... Um, it might have been the thing where I was tapping, tapping, and it was like a drone thing. Yeah, and it was like a, I was like a, playing an octave, kind of, and tapping exactly, tap, tapping the unison. Right. So that's was, what you did. So I was tapping the octave, and I was tapping the unison yeah. on the string in the middle. Right. And it's and it's just it's like the octave is like going. It's, it's just it's yeah. just droning, yeah. but it's actually moving, moving. Yeah. But it just it's static, uh-huh. but it's moving because I'm tapping it, and. Um, that was pretty that was pretty fun that was dope that was pretty fun it was it was a fun it was a it was a really really interesting because there were so many different because there were people that were well known and then there were people that were really rich and there were people that were really broke and it was really yeah a, and everybody a, would party at the end of the night and like even like johnny depp and kate moss showed up and yeah. iggy pop showed up I and know. it's like it was, it was, it was, cra- it was it crazy was, it was kind of crazy i can only imagine <laughs> like, for a young musician dude. It had to have been. It was nuts. It had to have been. <laughs> I don't think I've recovered yet. You know, well, you know, things <laughs> like that. Those, but, well, events like that. Yeah. When you get thrown into the deep water, right, of the thing, it can be. I mean, you know, I remember like we got picked 
by the Rolling Stones. Right, Mick Jagger discovered you, right? And Mick Jagger, well, Mick Jagger, it's so funny because, yes, because Mick Jagger, he was instrumental in us finally getting a deal because we've been we've been building a reputation in mm-hmm. New York. And, um, it's in the 80s in New yeah, York. Yeah, in the 80s, in the middle 80s, you know, we've been building a reputation. And we actually, after a, a, a kind of a while of a kind of, you know, I mean, I would say, you know, Hilly Crystal, you know what I mean? CBGBs. CBGBs. I mean, we, none, none of it would have happened without CBGBs. That's awesome. Because CBGBs was, you know, I mean, in a sense, the punk and post-punk scenarios, and like mm-hmm. all Blondie and Talking Heads. Bad brains. Bad brains. You know what I mean? The cro- and the Cro-Mags and, you know, and, and just uh, Prong, you know, like all mm-hmm. these bands that kind of came out of the CBGB's era. You know, we were part of this milieu, if you will, mm-hmm. and it, and it really felt like something to be a part of, and and uh, and I, I just uh, think about you know, because Hilly was is like a you know angel to some, demon to others. You know, there right. were people controversial, that, controversial dude. You know, absolutely, but I, I will say that um, all the best people are controversial. Yeah, it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> really, and and so I feel very much that. Um, you know, he was very much like um, uh, the dude in on the West Coast, Bill. Um, what's his yeah, name? Bill Graham. Bill Graham. He's right. very much like Bill Graham yeah. in that he was an impresario mm-hmm. and he recognized talent. You know, you, the thing about Hilly was Hilly was like the ma- was the manager uh, of the Vanguard, so he had so he was there when Coltrane. Wow. And the Coltrane Quartet was coming through. You I know what I mean? Know, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so his his. Uh, purview of music the way he heard music was really he took everything in Mm -hmm. so nothing threw him it wasn't like oh free jazz was like something unknown to him or punk was unknown to him he just had an aesthetic that was really broad Mm -hmm. and i've seen every kind of thing cbgb's man i remember seeing johnny skillsaw one and was crazy it was crazy i've seen like all kinds of i remember when uh, material uh, used to play at CBGB's, and, and that, that's where Michael Beinhorn, you know, um, came out of that band. Um, so how did Mick find out about he, you guys? So well, you guys he, were already like happening. So he it was like, yeah, so it was like he was in New York and he was uh, auditioning musicians for his record Primitive Cool. He had already done She's the Boss, right? And uh, that was a successful. Um, solo record so he was doing his second solo record and he kind of wanted to play with a whole bunch of people yeah and so it was kind of a cattle call and you know everybody everybody and their grandma showed up and uh, and uh, Doug Wimbish who had already been playing he he had he already toured with um, the Stones or no no, no he had with, toured with, with, with Mick, Mick, with Mick. Right, yeah, so, was still so, so he had so so he knew about Living Color, uh, Kurt Loder and Dave Kurt Loder, who was an MTV guy, he right. knew about the band. David Frick, who wrote for Ro- for Rolling Stone magazine, mm-hmm. so it was like a confluence of different of these people. Like, man, this this dude, he's got a really interesting band. And 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 the audition, and I auditioned to play. I wound up playing on a track <laughs> on the record, but well, it was cool. I'm pretty cool, but the audition was crazy. It was cra- It was like totally like uh, like people that came in there. Like uh, having learned all kind of stone songs, he didn't want to play any stone songs. Uh-huh. So he he wanted to play 
uh, I heard it through the grapevine, and people were like, "What?" You know, yeah. like he want he wanted to do like Motown stuff. Yeah, you know, and he didn't want to do Stones things, and people came in ready to do Jumping Jack Flash. That's know? funny. And um, it was it was it was very it was it was weird because you know because it was very it was tense because it was a lot of you know he's, he's he's he is the he embodies rock and roll it's like 20th century rock and roll like if you talk about who's a rock star most people the first person they're gonna mention is like Mick Jagger right so and one of the best songwriters oh yeah you know so he um. So he said, man, you know, I'm going to come check your band. And I was like, you know, okay, sure. <laughs> was, like, was that a CBGB's? Did he and come? Came, came to CB, him and Jeff Beck. That's crazy. Oh, Jeff no. Beck, too? Yeah. That's yeah. wild, and they man. Came was and, that nerve-wracking as hell? Well, you know what happened? Really? Somebody came, somebody ran up to me and said, you know who's here? It was, I think it's Hilly's son. I mean, Mick Jagger's here with Jeff Beck. And, and I, what I did was I immediately put it out of my mind, and I didn't tell the band. That's so genius. How did you know to? How did you know to? Because do it that? was so mass. It was so over the top. Yeah. It was so over the top that I, I think I said that's. I said in my mind. You said that's I said bullshit. That's, that's bullshit. They're not here. I literally went. That's bullshit. They're not here. And I went and we said let's just. And I didn't say a thing to the band. Right. Because. Yeah, it, it would have fucked everybody up. Everything would, and I literally put myself in this mind state, to where. I came off stage and I totally forgot that they were there. That they were there because I, I, because because knowing this was a moment of clarity that's very rare for me in terms of knowing myself. I knew what I would go down a spiral. Yeah. I knew that I would become self-conscious and I would go down a spiral that I wouldn't yeah. get out of. So I went into a kind of. You know, they say denial is, is always a bad thing. Denial, this, denial ain't a river in Egypt. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this was a moment where denial was actually the was the best movie. Yeah. So I, I just, you know, so we just went, I didn't say anything to the band. Yeah. We went up and we played a really, really good show. It was it was a great vibe. You know, the yeah. place was packed and we had a local crowd that was there for us. And yeah, so, Delusion can be a power. You know, you know, you can, like you delude yourself, it can actually be a benefit sometimes. It's small, I mean, it, it's like sort of like anything in small. The difference is the dosage. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's a good line. Yeah, it, and uh, I think that's a Terrence McKenna thing. The difference, the difference between uh, I forget, I forget the whole it could be thing. A chorus. The difference is the dosage. The difference is the dosage. I like that. You know, and um, at that point. It worked well, and he was a really good producer. He was great in the studio. He produced uh, Glamour Boys and Which Way to America. Right. And um, you know, it was a special. It was a, just a special, crazy time. What did Jeff Beck say? Did he say anything? Jeff Jeff just hung. I don't, I, did he, I, I didn't really. Do you like his guitar playing? I love his guitar. Me too. I mean, I would think he would like your guitar playing, but maybe he's one of those that. The, the he's a magician. Him. He's a yeah. kind of. I mean, they're guitar players. That just uh, like they're like just like Jocko, you know. They have a, yeah. a way of you can learn the licks, but you're not you don't have that brain. You know, Hendrix Hendrix's brain was wired a certain way where he mm. was just not just he was entertaining. You know, you could play his ass off, but he was totally entertaining. He was totally, you know, he was that dude. Right. And it's rare, you know, you have somebody that can play 
just like him, but it's like a grim exercise, you know, because you know they want to have to get it just right. You know, he's yeah. 100 in his body, so he's not really trying to do anything. He's just being himself. Right. See, that's the that's the deal, you know. And so, like all the guitar players and musicians that move me, they're all over the place. Yeah. They're people that have incredible technique, like an Alan Holdsworth, it's extraordinary. You know, but then there are people, metal fatigue. You know, but they, you know what I mean. But then, uh, but yeah. then, but then, you know, Neil Young. I love Neil Young's playing because yeah. it's just this abandoned. It's just this raw, yeah, thing. He's not making apology for whatever. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's so expressive. People, I've had you know going back and forth. You know about Kurt Cobain. I think Kurt Cobain was a brilliant guitar player. Great guitar player. And um, he said, well, he's a great songwriter. I said, well, you don't get you don't get those songs without his guitar playing. That's true. Like, they're not, they're not, you can't separate them. Yeah. It's, you know what I mean? It's, they're, they're of a piece. Yeah. And so those, those are the things that really, I, I uh, that work. Where is Prince guitar Oh my God. Oh, ridiculous. 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 Because he, because he's, um, because he also, again, I said, because we're the same age, he absorbed you know, he absorbed Santana and Hendrix, mm -hmm. but he absorbed, you know, Teeny Hodges, you know, he absorbed Jimmy Nolan, he absorbed, you know, Cat, you know, uh, Catfish Collins, he absorbed Freddie, Freddie, uh, King, uh, Freddie, Freddie King, Freddie, Freddie Stone. Oh, Freddie Stone. As well as Freddie King, Freddie Stone. Yeah. So he absorbed all this funk, you know, he absorbed, you know, uh, like the guitar solo and all the critics love you in New York. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that's Adrian Ballou. He's right. been he you could he he you knew who Adrian Ballou was and there was a certain amount he would do these things that were like oh you've been you've been hearing all this and all that but he had his own out of all of those many things he forged one he had his own style he's from brilliant guitar yeah I like uh, I'm building a pedal board right now and I know that you have like a, a mad scientist head for that kind of stuff mm -hmm, and yeah. like I, I think how fun is it building pedal boards and like get, like getting it, sounds together and, des totally and designing that and redesigning it. Isn't oh, yeah. it, isn't I love it fun it. as hell? I actually love it. I actually love it. It's fun as hell. It is. Like it I, is. I'm doing it again and I'm like, I, and I was just, while I was doing it, it was occurring to me. I was like, man, I really love this. Like, and then you order like a new pedal. I got a well, FedEx just called me. Like one of right. these ones is coming in. This one, I forget the, oh, for this boutique company whatever right but so like how much fun do you have when you build that well shit? it's funny you have like a bunch i have a bunch of pedals and yeah. multi-effects and things and i love it you know like uh like i love the stuff from chase bliss they make they make wonderful yeah that's the new shit know? i've been hearing about so it's crazy good. the maris company there are a bunch of companies that are doing i got this wonderful barefoot one like, right i just got the pale green compressor source audio is great you yeah know, pigtronics there's, a, there's like a I lot got the pigtronics of, red panda is another great one and and i love what eventide's been doing yeah. you know with the h9s and so so just like different like companies like they're big companies like line six right with the helix with the helix which i think is phenomenal i got that but i went away from it it was like because honestly i just think like i also heard you in another interview talk about the physicality of the amp yeah and how you can't really still duplicate that like that's no. still an important it's thing it's still important i st i think so too yeah like i i think they're doing amazing things with amp modeling and all that but i i think there's something to be said about yeah about the air moving behind you yeah yeah there's there's a whole thing about you know um 
uh, impulse response technology. Yeah. And different companies are, are doing really interesting things. Like Electroharmonics has got this whole series of pedals. This pedal called the M9. I have that. Which it the sounds Mellotron. like a Mellotron pedal. Yeah. And it's funny because it's... I got the B9 too. Right. Yeah. And it's like if you, if you pick certain... Like with the M9, if you combine that with a nice like vibrato kind yeah. of thing, uh-huh. it's uncanny. Yeah. It's really, it's really uncanny how, how evocative it, it is. It's not the same as a Mellotron, but it's, man, it's kind of amazing. So we've yeah. we've entered into a place where you know I I used to have uh, guitars with hex pickups on them. I still have some, but now you can get synthesis now with just plugging a regular pe- regular cable in. Absolutely. Yeah, have you heard the uh, the new Tool record? No. It's it's really cool. It it's is. really cool because it's. It's not trendy. Yeah. But the 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 approach overall is very very cool. There's a certain amount of like the pro, guitar the way the guitar sounds are done. The I think it's it's re, it's a really cool. Like I was listening, you know, explosions in the sky. These guys yeah. out of Texas, uh-huh. like they they're very cinematic yeah. kind of guitar thing. Yeah. Like there's barely any soloing there's like really no soloing it's just like these interwoven parts yeah i i I love that band and um it's funny because i went and saw king crimson uh a while back and they got three drums it's crazy scenario and the new tool record is funny because it's got a little vibe almost like a king crimson-esque vibe but it but they've got their own thing but maynard sounds wonderful it's it's a good it's a really good record that and album's going up to number one it's kicking out taylor swift so. you, you know and you know what's you know so deep yeah. about it and That's you know what amazing. and it's a prog it's first album in like what 10 years oh it's a long, time. a long time long time That's crazy. and it's and it is prog i mean it's prog but it's not like prog where it's like it's not like they're trying to do the tune down heavy they're not doing that they're yeah. doing their own they're doing their own thing and and there's something about it it's it's they're not in a trend chase they're they're doing what they do right and it's it's very very cool i i was actually okay is this gonna be one of these records where they're you know they're trying to sound like a young you know kind of you know we're post new metal scenario or yeah. everything super aggro and it's 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 a, it's aggro when it needs to be but it's not afraid of being quiet yeah and taking its time and being textural, I have to say, uh, not that this is an ad for the tool record, but I have to say, you know, I just I just got it and well, uh, I really do like it. It reminds me of your Twitter handle because I really like your the way you use Twitter and how you engage with people and also you're just, oh, like, you have such a different, like, you have a lot of things to say about a lot of areas of pop culture. You're just a very interesting thinker, you know, and like, I don't know, just like, so you speaking on Tool, like that makes sense to me, like, and just like, uh, and I don't know, getting to that with the building the pedal boards too, just yeah. like your brain is very active, Well, it's right? funny, you know, I'm a, like, kind of a busy body. I, I tell yeah. you, it, it, it's it's strange because part of the thing of even engaging with the comic book movie culture comic and book things movie like culture. that. I like what you I was going to ask that I overheard yeah. you talking about Batman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, he, well, like, talking, about Twitter, Joker, talking about Joker. Oh, the Joker. The, the, yeah. The, 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 yeah, the, yeah. He, his Twitter is amazing. He talks about with fans and that like he's always got every day. And and the thing is funny, man. He's, he's one of my the, favorite people to read. With, oh, thank you. Yeah. And some, of the, some of the, you know, some of my followers, what I like about my followers, all my followers, I didn't buy any, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't have the biggest Twitter thing, 
but I didn't even look at your numbers, but, but I'm but, sure. But the thing I yeah. like about my followers on Vert Twenty Two, uh-huh, yeah. uh, what I like about my followers is that I have this. There are people that push back. I'll say something. Yeah, have conser- have- I have some conservative. I have some folks that are really conservative. I have some pro-gun people. Mm-hmm. And, it's a good conversation. And and, and and the thing is, I don't I don't name call. I yeah. don't get into you know. Sometimes nobody's rude either. It's like some some sometimes 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 little, but my my crazy. lefties my lefties and my some the lefties and the righties will go, they will go at each other. Yeah, and it's it's and it's kind of it is what it is. But yeah. some of my favorite people are some of the more conservative and I wouldn't have thought that I, that but yeah. you know because the thing is we have a respectful conversation and occasionally they'll go you know what I didn't think of it that way yeah and that's and that's kind of we have to engage we have to find a way in this country yeah to somehow engage and still have the integrity of we are coming from where we're coming from right but we still we have to and this is why the commonalities are so important: movies, sports, guitar, guitar, pedals, pedals. You know, the, the commonalities. Yeah, food. I love these it. things. We all have to eat. We all, yeah. you know, we all experience these different things, and the and the commonalities are the things that are really bind us together in the nation. Yeah. So you know, like I. I had a whole thing about Clapton, and I mentioned this whole thing that Clapton. Oh, I saw that yesterday. You were like some like there was like some kind of like maybe he was racist. Well, he had a whole thing. Well, he had a whole thing with Enoch Powell and the National Front, and it was like a thing in the seventies, and it was it was no joke. You know what I mean? Like, what does that mean? I didn't know that about Clapton. He he supported. You know, he was. I think he was in a funky place in his life. Right. Like I think the substance abuse thing was out of control Uh for him. And he's since apologized for it. Oh, okay. But, and some people wrote him off. I, I know that Jack Bruce at, at, had a difficult time when, when, when Eric was there. When was, Eric was kind of doing that thing. It, it was like kind of in the late 70s. And you know, his, him, his embrace of Enoch Powell led to the rock against racism thing because people really pushed back hard against it. Uh-huh. So, you know, the, but it was funny because that, conversation we had had just a previous thread just talking about um culinary bits in movies like Mm. what a funny what are famous bits in movies that feature cooking but not a movie about cooking per se oh yeah i saw that too and 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 that was kramer versus kramer talking about kramer versus kramer (laughs) Kramer and we talk about like you know and we talk about jack nicholson (laughs) in five easy pieces oh yeah the egg salad sandwich sandwich, you know what i mean and that and that came about because someone was mentioning paul newman in cool hand luke fucking cool hand luke dude that's my movie you know what i mean the egg eating contest Yeah, and so there were all these. So I was like, going, "Oh yeah," and, and it just made triggered me to say, "Wait a minute, there was a Jack Nicholson thing about it." And and mm-hmm. it, and, and then I said, "Man," and people just brought up all of this kind of cool yeah. stuff about it because these, like I said, the commonalities, you know, when everything else is absurd and bananas, you know, because yeah. there really are things that are really you know not on, and there are things that are really really rage enraging, and part of the thing is you can't walk around enraged. All, all the, the time. time. It's Ex- it's dull, it's boring. Exactly. It's not good for you. It's, it's not, not good, good for your for health. You. you know what I mean? So I can't you have to you have to be who you are. Yeah. And and who we are is a lot of things. Yeah. You know, who we are is very serious. And it's also silly. It's yeah. also you know what I mean? It's it's absurd you know, we're in a kind of crazy 
we've never had a situation like the situation we're living with right now, where the country is, I mean, maybe the country's always been divided, but it's, it's, every day we're challenged. It's reaching a wild it's, you know, state. And, the, and also, aside from blaming any individual person for the way things are, there's a sort of, we've come to a kind of cro- multiple crossroads yeah. about who we are, how we're gonna treat each other, how we wanna live, between the you know between genders and all all of it you know all of it's kind of like one of the things i'm talking about batman one of the most one, the one character that's being avoided in the movies is robin mm. robin and, and because I'm a huge batman fan right and robin because the whole idea of a sidekick of a team. Well, but he was in uh, the Clooney one. They had okay, yes, come he, on. Yes, he was, but well, that's a that's yeah, but he was. Well, Clooney, true. Clooney was like like and the best Batman Chris, in the worst uh, movie. What was the actor? Horror. Chris. Uh, uh, Chris. Um, O'Donnell. Chris. No. O'Donnell. I, yeah, no. I think. I, Is it Chris O'Donnell? I think I think you're right. Yeah, I don't know. I think you're sense. I think you're right. But so why do you think this is that Robin's been avoided? With? I think there's a homoerotic undertones, mm-hmm. and I think people are not. But like the whole idea of the sidekick, like what is that? How does that work? Why would you call yourself Robin? I mean, you know, this is like the comic. This is when comic books were really written for young children, right? And Robin, in a way, like thinking about Robin. Dick Grayson in the in the uh, with Adam West and what have you, right? You know, it was like, well, he was kind of like Bruce Wayne as a kind of patrician. You know, he was kind of like a a gentleman. Yeah. You know what I mean? In a, in a he was a he was a gentleman detective. He wasn't like like the the hard edged martial artist, right? Hedge fund badass dude. Right. Like that was that came about with Frank. Frank Miller's Frank, Miller, Frank Miller's Dark Knight, Dark Knight and that the Dark Knight returns and that changed the whole dynamic and we've been really since and the Robin in there is even a younger version and a girl and it's a female yeah. and he right he made Robin a female because of the homo he, he, he wanted to avoid, to avoid the, 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 the so so I'm thinking so one of the well, things but I, Batman's old in that version. Batman's really old dude uh, so so I'm so, so I'm kind of on a vibe like you know I started thinking about you know what Rob a transgender Robin. Mm-hmm. Or a non-binary Robin yeah. would be a really interesting reinvention yeah. of the character, and I'm not even. And I'm thinking on a level, well, there would be a tension, like maybe how Alfred, maybe where Alfred is, like what's up with that? You know what I mean? And right. And the and the old and the other thing is like I thought about, well, what if Robin was like non-binary, but he was a but he was out of his, but he was like. He was like Batman's berserker. Like he was like out of his mind. Like he was like out of his mind, and you have to pull him back. <laughs> I think you should write this. this well, is, like this could be a musical. Well, it's weird stuff, man. I'm dead. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but see, but but the thing is, the movies that it, all, all of the movies that have uh, the Christopher Nolan, Bat, like Robin's not in the. You know, no, we're not, not doing Robin. It. Yeah. And I think Robin, a well-written approach and a different approach right. to that character could be interesting could be super interesting I, i'm i'm so all in well, on the uh, in the, the joaquin um the on tv yeah that's robin's the main the main ah. character yeah they, they they take out the main guys and it's all the side it's all the sidekicks have their yeah. own have their own is that right yeah yeah 
but what, so what do you think of uh do you think of the joker is gonna be cool or? i i am after the last the preview, preview was killer the last preview i tell you a ch- a ch- I, I had a chill yeah at the end when he's about to he goes to the announcer and he says you know what introduce me as joker yeah and i just got a cold feeling because yeah. it was so it was like oh this is the moment where whatever's happened to him before it's a moment in the movie where he's crossed over uh-huh. into this persona yeah and this joker is unlike any other he's not he's not the maniacal sociopath yeah, he's getting his ass kicked a lot in the preview. You know what I mean? And, yeah. all, and the world has rejected him. Yeah. And he just wants to make the world laugh. Yeah. And he's got problems. And you can see his social work. Like, you see people respond to him like, there's something not right with you. Right. And even when he's, like, uh, playing a little game with the kid on the bus... Right, and the mom, is and like, the mom gets mad, and the, mom, and the mom says, "Stop bothering my kid. Like right. you're creepy. Like he's like you're a creepy, dude." And mm-hmm. and the thing is, the kid and him are having their they connect. They're fine. They're yeah. fine. And yeah. and the thing is, the world just keeps fucking sees him. And then there's this whole kind of king of comedy. That king of comedy vibe is strong. Is, is really strong. The Nero's in it for one, and so it's definitely so. There's a thing. There going into territory that we've never experienced and i have a strong feeling that this is going to be one of those movies of the year i think i i I just i don't think that they've made a mistake i think everything about how this how he becomes the clown yeah and what leads him to this other place because you can see on the periphery where everyone's putting on the kind of crazy clown masks. Yeah. He's inspired. He's managed to inspire this kind of anarchy. Right. But the thing about it is he's also not, you don't get the sense of him leading. Like, like these are my minions. Right. It's, it's strange. And there are a lot of holes to fill in the narrative, but the response of the of the of the people that have seen they they've already shown it. At, yeah, at, it's amazing that you oh. got all that from a tr- from the trailer. No, dude, this guy is yeah, like an amazing I, thinker. Like uh, you should be writing essays, Vern. Like I'm, uh, I'm just, I, I, <laughs> honestly, the like you should like I mean because you have a way of thinking that is unusual and really fun to listen to. Like and also you go deep diving into these realms that are like. Pop well, culture, like, like ad- adjacent, you know, and it's well, cool. well, all of it's of a piece, you know, all of it's of a piece. Like all of it, like the guitar maleness, gu- maleness is tied up with this idea of being the hero, of being the person to fix the situation. Men always want to fix things. Right. Men don't like to listen. They, you know, they automatically want to mansplain. That's what we. That's what we do. We're uh-huh. kind of hardwired to do it. And this whole idea of taking that dynamic and flipping it and, and and flipping it part of the reason that we're in the situation because we're at this crossroads about maleness and yeah who we are how we show up being vulnerable yeah this is and and also rage all of these things are being embodied and played out at all levels they're being played out at the border, 
They're being played out on the screen. Yeah. They're being played out. So you see it all connecting. They're being played out in tunes. It, yeah. It's they're all of these things. All these things. And they and the you and, think the Joker's some kind of reflection of modern man? Well, Joker. Well, Heath Ledger's Joker. He so warped that movie. Like, yeah. You know, it's it's weird. That was his movie. Right. And Christian Bale is fine in it. Morgan Freeman is fine in it. You know, like, it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. But he literally warped the perception. It, it just, the movie just, like, he's so, like, this whole idea of, like, well, I, when he says, well, I just kind of happen. Like, he says, he goes, I don't, I don't really think about that. You know, I don't really, I don't really think about it that much. I just happen. And this is really frightening because he's frightening because he doesn't care about the money. He'll burn the money. He'll like, he'll, he'll go in with a bunch, with a bunch of other criminals and he'll kill the other criminals. Like, you know, he's like, he's like, and then he, he, and he meets Batman. He says, Oh my God, I, I love you. Like, he's like, you, <laughs> you complete me. Right. I've been looking. Yeah, that's the, from the comics. Like, one can't exist without the other. I've been looking for a nemesis. Yeah. And here you are. And that's, I mean, that's changed the conversation. And, and there's been an attempt to try to respond to this warped, this, that performance kind of flipped the script. So, it's it's been it's been trying to recover, you from know what I mean, and from that performance. And it's like Jared Leto. I mean, I'm sorry, he was he looked cool, and the whole idea of him being like a punk Joker is cool. But the just there was a level of arc, not even malevolent, just or just like anarchic joy, that you know is really frightening. And and we don't really want to talk about the fact that you know like people were inspired. By that performance, right, and um, so so it had become so definitive that it's incredible that now we have a new interpretation by Joaquin, who's amazing, and his interpretation too. has nothing to do with that. It has a, and and I think it's going to be disturbing in a whole other direction. Yeah. And 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 the people said, "Man, I'm tired of Joker." Blah blah blah. You know, and I and Who's one thing's like, that? I'm not, "Well, there's a Twitter. You give some Twitter." I'm not saying, but that. you know, like it's I'm like, but there are other, but there are other. You know, like I've always wanted, I always, always, I've always wished that the Riddler was dealt with differently in a, in a similar way. As yeah, because I think the Riddler is a different, is also an iconic character, and. I think the amount of writing Didn't in Danny order to DeVito make play the Riddler. No, no he played. He played the oh, Penguin. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Oh, right. Jim Carrey Danny played DeVito the Penguin. The but, 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 right. but, but, but a dark Riddler. Yeah, a dark Riddler. But a dark Riddler. Here's the thing. A dark Riddler. The writing. The the level of writing. I bet Jim Carrey could do it now. The dark oh, Riddler. The, uh, this is a stupid question, but do you play the Batman games on PlayStation? I actually don't play the Batman uh, games. I, I actually okay. have. So, so I'm an iOS. I'm an iOS gamer. I'm a piker. Right. You know, but I mean, I, I'm, so I'll tell you that the level of storytelling in those video games mm. outdoes the movies by a million. The characters are 
dark the stories are pr- like if they could get the movies right like mm-hmm. the video games got the character right it would be amazing well you know the thing about it is that gaming and most people aren't really we're getting back to simulation the con- theory well gaming well, well the thing is this is something to wrap your brain around is that gaming as an industry is bigger than the, the movies, movies yeah that's the thing. Oh, they fill up stadiums with like gamers and e, and, now. And, e, and e-gaming yeah. is massive. But it's it's not like the mainstream, it's a weird thing because this is happening at the scale that it's happening, but it's almost like it's underground mm-hmm. because the yeah. mainstream media doesn't really, they kind of, they it's, it's just, it kind, really. it's just yeah. like with Twitter, the mainstream media was, oh, Twitter, who cares about what you ate this morning? And quietly, Twitter now, a tweet can change the economy. The, a tweet mm-hmm. can affect the stock market. That's what Twitter has become. Yeah, what do you think of all the deplatforming and stuff across those kind of sites? Does it scare you, the lack of freedom of speech that's kind of coming, well, creeping up? Well, the, what's happening, it? well, you know, the thing is, all of the platforms are being manipulated and weaponized. This right. is the thing. Like, the people that came up, that did the algorithms, they were optimists and they thought of the best case scenarios for all of it. And you, with technology, you have to think of the all case scenarios. You have to think of all case scenarios. And developers are loath to do all case scenarios because if you do all case scenarios and you present an all case scenario, how are you going to get funding? If you if you if you say, well, you know, this is a great thing, but you know, this can be used for blah blah. blah. That's not how you get. You're not the VCs are, are just not going to do it, right? So you have to you have to paint the rosiest picture possible, and deliver this. It's going to do this, and it's going to do that, and and it's going to raise test scores, and everybody's going to be happy, and everyone's going to lose ten pounds, and blah 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 blah. You have to. That's how you have to sell it. Mm-hmm. So. When you sell it like that, you have to think of human nature. Like the airplane, bombs were put on airplanes in inside of five years that the airplane was invented, the bombs were put on it, right? So the idea of the weaponizing, how can this be, oh, this is great. How can, how, you know, like one of the That's things that's smart. Yeah, like, think, so we're, we're looking at these, we're looking at these videos same with the with the drones that started as fun and, yeah and like, scale it up scale scale so you're making the correlation that all they're going to do the same thing they do with those with like something like twitter or like youtube it's, it's already happening they weaponize it how, how are they we, how are they weaponizing twitter well it's already happened it's already happened but what, how well you know i like i said they i'm not down governments with it well just yeah. like the fact that um uh, a certain person can make a tweet <laughs> and then the stock market can go right you know like uh people can lose people have lost jobs you know like twitter interestingly enough you can get a gig off of twitter like you, you can do a tweet and a tweet could you know lead to like i wound up doing a thing in tallahassee florida i had a tweet exchange with jeff vandermeer a great science fiction writer you know he wrote the book annihilation which became this movie and um, and uh, the Southern Reach trilogy, Area X, and I 
got the audio book. I fell in love with it. And then we started exchanging. And he knew about me as a musician. And I wound up going to Tallahassee and doing uh, a music thing, you know, with, with readings, you know. And it was, it was great. And this was all because of Twitter. Mm-hmm. So that's the one. So, so things like that could happen. Well, just like things like that could happen. Like there was a person who, uh, who made a tweet. And it was a joke. And are oh, you talking about the lady that was like for going to Africa and right. the AIDS joke? Yeah. Right. Made a joke. Yeah. And it turned completely yeah. sideways. It right. turned, she lost her she lost her gig. It, it turned yeah. she got death threats and it turned sideways, right? Yeah. So these are the things about about these um platforms and possibilities, you know. People, all Kickstarters, you know. People. But what do you think of the like, deplatforming? Does it scare you at all, or do you, you know? Because like last I checked, there was seventeen thousand YouTube channels that have been deplatformed and like shut oh, down. Oh, you mean because it you, started with Alex Jones, yeah, and then you know, well, and, but then it like evolved into like you know dietary channels get taken down and just shit like that. Just like where it's just like, wait, why? What, so so why are you getting taken like? Is it, it's it's is a mixed. It's well, you know. Again, it's a mixed bag. You know, like I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not an Alex Jones fan. No, but I mean, at all. But I, but but, uh, but freedom of speech. There's there is that. There's so the whole we, like I don't have to agree with what you say, but right. I'll defend to the death your right. Your right to say it. And so the whole idea of silencing people, scary is scary because. Because where does it end? Where does it end? And and who's at the who's and who's deciding? Who's deciding? You know, like it's the it's the old question. Who's who's watching the watcher? Right. So how do we respond? And what's the agenda behind it? Well, because how do we respond to to people taking their followers and aiming their followers at a particular? See, there's one thing. There's this big so there's brother a trying to control the but perception. there's a difference. There's a difference between you saying your crazy thing. You know, you say your crazy thing. There's another. There's a. There's uh, the difference between that you saying your th- your thing. There's a. There's. A, there's different. It's different when you say, "I decide to aim." I get. I certainly get a certain amount of notoriety, and then I aim my followers at someone I don't like, like in terms of harassment. That's that's a that's a gray. That's not you saying your opinion that's also you know that where does it the line between having an opinion mm-hmm. whatever it is unpopular whatever and bullying or targeting people mm. see that's that's the that's that to me is a bright red line if you're not targeting people say like go after them da 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 whatever and then your followers are, are death threatening you know it turns into like a gamergate scenario whatever mm. There's a difference between you, you know what, I think blah, 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 blah. You can think blah, 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 or you like. I had no problem with it. <laughs> Seriously, you, you, you're crazy, you're nuts. You know, the, you know the, the antidote to speech is more speech. Mm-hmm. But that's not just what's happening. That's not, that's not like, what do we do when, where, where's, the, where's the recourse? So, so like this lady told a joke, it was a very bad joke. Yeah, it was a racist joke. Racist joke. Bad joke. 
bad joke I thought it was funny. I didn't, you know, you know, I didn't think about I was hurting people. And that may be sincere, the whole idea that, well, no now we are in an age where no apology is good. Is good enough. No apology is good enough. No apology can every the cynicism or you're you know, where you a person gets labeled. A lot of times people thing. apologize and it just immediately gets used against them. Even though it's this the, is even the, though the apology is, seems somewhat like pretty sincere sometimes. But but but, like, you, but you know, you know like, you know, like you know, the thing is having an opinion, we all have them. Yeah. And certain you say certain things and then if you say you know, if you say certain things and it's taken the wrong way as it can like like i've made jokes about well i shouldn't even joke because it, it could be taken the wrong way right because you have to what be careful what do you think of Chappelle's special did you see it i, I haven't seen it yet oh, i want to okay. check it out i yeah. want to check it out i'm a big fan yeah me too but you know th- but that's what i mean it's like there's you know it's like it's like yelling fire in a crowded theater it's not free speech it's you know because you because be, it's like no of you course, know i thought about i thought about this not, i was but, on a, i was on a line i was on a line in the security line, right? Yeah. I was on the security line, and every man has an asshole, has an inner asshole that just wants to jump out and say some dumb shit. And, and so I was in the security line, I was moving really slow. And, I, and, and you know, the devil on my shoulder said, you know what, Vernon, you should just yell, duck! <laughs> I hope you didn't. I didn't do it, I didn't do it. But, but you know, but the asshole on my shoulder, you know, the little, the little, the little blue meanie asshole on my shoulder is like, man, you know, be hilarious right now if you just if you yell, oh my god, duck! And, oh man! And and, and, that, and you know, and everybody would have been, and people would have hit the deck, and there was nothing would have gone on, and they would have went, who the fuck? Oh my god! Well, well, Vern, that's on the same level of the guy who walked into the Walmart after the shooting with a gun just to get a reaction to see if it's cool to walk into a Walmart with a gun when you're allowed to carry it. It's the same. He it, just did it and didn't think it. it you know what I mean? And and their consequence, you know. Yeah. And there are consequences mm-hmm. to to that, like this whole idea of people being ganged up on and being bullied off of them, you know, getting bullied because they're gay, because they're whatever that's going on. That's not cool. That's not yeah. cool. That's not cool shit, man. And so if somebody's getting no, defunded, cool. if you're if you're aiming, if you're taking, if your followers become projectiles, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're using, if you're weaponizing people's you know whatever is going on with them, their insecurities, their 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 ignorances, their, and you're aiming their ignorance at a person. That shit is not good. That's not yeah. that's that 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 goes past speech. Yeah, of course. That goes yeah. past speech. So so at that point, you you the thing about that's not what I'm talking about though. Well, some of that is what the deplatforming part of the deplatforming is a result of those kinds of things. Yeah, like if you, if you like. This whole idea. So the deplatforming doesn't scare you. Well, of course it does. Oh, it does. Yeah, yeah. it does concern me. But yeah, as a, a a means to deal with certain pernicious, you know what I mean, aggressive uh, weaponizings of followers and platforms. Yeah. I, I mean, but at the same time, I acknowledge it. Yeah. As a slippery, slippery slope. It is. It is a slippery slope. When it's slope. like a channel promoting a diet choice gets deplatformed, that's a, like concerning. Well, that's not people like turning users against. Them. That's like somebody promoting a ketogenic diet. Right. 
Right. And it gets deplatformed. Why did like, it get why did it get deplatformed? I don't know. I don't know. See, the but there's 17,000 of them. So there's a lot of channels that are, you know, it's not it's not just, you know, Alex Jones and a couple other freaks that are, you know, it's it's right. a lot. Well, also also the thing is so the gu- the guidelines, here's what's frightening is the guidelines are not clear. Right. Well, that's the thing. That's it's like that's, and the and the whole yeah. idea of like the the that it's like the toad in a pot slow to boil like the internet came as this massive free thing and then we all get engaged into where we can't that we can't live without the internet it's how we like operate now and then but it was always going to become like less and less and less and less of a free thing to where the perception and everything gets controlled as a means of controlling humanity the problem is like you know that's that's why net neutrality this whole thing against net neutrality i mean this the thing is you know the companies that walk through the open door want to shut the door behind them right and that's the pro that's a real problem like you know exactly. the entrepreneurship somebody that comes up and says you know what i got a better way to sell used cars you know what i mean and they figure out a way to i don't know what that is but somebody has a way of doing that's genius and that people are getting really cool deals and it and becomes a thing that to, that's going to become threatening to somebody. That's mm-hmm. going, you know, that's the thing about the disruptive. That's why we don't have the future of the Jetsons because because they're people that they don't want that shit. They, they're like, you know, the, why why isn't yeah why, Arizo- why isn't Arizona only running on solar power? Right, it's the sunshine state. Yeah, <laughs> what I mean that it doesn't make any sense because because lobbyists because people who are really well versed in making counter arguments, you know that whole thing about a counter like well really well done counter argument will have you doubting common sense. Yeah, it, it'll you like something obvious becomes suddenly not obvious. Oh, maybe I'm totally wrong, even though it's obvious, like. Yeah. Why isn't Arizona leading in solar energy? Because they're oligarchical companies. They're companies, energy companies. They're like, we can't, we can't stop the sun, so until we stop the sun, we're going to make the argument that you using solar power is taking away from everyone that's not. Right. And it's like, what? And it's like, no, you using solar power, you're selfish. You using solar power, you're, you know, everyone else that's not using solar power is subsidizing your selfishness. Is that how? Is that what they say? That's kind of what they do. Huh? I didn't know. And then suddenly it's like, oh, I'm a I'm a bad person for using the sun, <laughs> and you know, it's 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 these kind of things. Like when people jump up and yell, socialism, right? It's like it's you know everybody's gonna be it's gonna be sackcloth and ashes, you know. Uh-huh. And everybody's gonna be, you know, because that because people you know people love to catastrophize. Yeah. It's 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 the catastrophizing model. I feel like we're in that. That's what that's what the think What do the think tanks do? The think tanks tell you the thing that might happen if you you know okay well that's a domino and if that domino falls then your then your daughter your five year old is going to be dancing on a pole if that domino falls and people are freaked out. Oh my god! I want my I want my daughter to be a doctor. I don't want her to be a pole dancer. So oh my god! You know don't let that domino fall. Don't let that domino fall. If you that domino falls, the G string's going on. No, oh, no. <laughs> and that, but that's the kind. Those are the kind of, you know, catastrophizing, mm-hmm. fear mongering, arguments that you know that 
they happen. They happen. They happen. Hey, if you were a painter, uh, or if uh, if you were a painter, like what what kind of painter would you be compared to your guitar playing? Abstract expressionist. Yeah, but which one? Huh. Well, you know, uh, Ed Clark. Ed Clark. Ed Clark. That's amazing. Ed Clark is beautiful. Beautiful. He's, a, he's an African American abstract expressionist. I feel like I also think like Jackson Pollock and Basquiat. Pat, Pollock. You know, it's so funny because it, I recently saw somebody, again on Twitter, talking about all these problematic artists. But the first time I saw Jackson Pollock, uh-huh. the first time I saw a real Jackson Pollock, I was in Paris. It blew your mind. And it was, I was at the Pompidou. It was one of his black and white. Uh-huh. And his rage was still in the canvas. I literally couldn't breathe. I saw this painting and I was like, <sighs> Right. You know, and you know, and it was funny because I'd always heard, oh, he can't paint. My kid can paint like that, blah, That's blah, blah. Bullshit. And then, And then... When you experience it, you hear all the opinions, right? Mm-hmm. All the blah, blah, blah. And then you experience the thing, and the thing is this visceral, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. I talk about the, the second falafel, right? And I talk about the second falafel in that the first time I, I had a falafel, mm-hmm. I nearly spat it out. Yeah. I, I I'd never had a falafel before. I said, like, like, what the hell is this? I, just, I, didn't, I didn't dig it, right? Yeah. So the mystery is... What made me go to Mamoun's and have the second falafel? Because uh-huh. my first experience of the falafel was not good. And it became one of my favorite foods. Uh-huh. It became one of my favorite foods. So my brain got rewired. My brain got assaulted by the taste. And I rejected it. Because, ah, ah, blah, blah. And something in the middle of all of that was intrigued. And the thing that was intrigued compelled me to have the second falafel. The second falafel. This should be the title of this podcast. <laughs> There's second been a lot falafel. of those, but you knew Basquiat too, didn't you? I had you? met him. Yes, you met him. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, man, he's a he's a he's a very gentle. The dude I met was like a quiet. You know, he reminds me so funny. There's a bassist. This is so strange. I'm saying this. But there's a, a musician out of Memphis named Mono Neon. Mm-hmm. And you can see his stuff on YouTube. It's really, he actually uh, started, had started to play with Prince actually before Prince passed on. And I have to say, Mono Neon reminds me of Basquiat mm-hmm. in that his, his quiet, kind of watchful person. And uh, I went to a party, you know, my friend Greg Tate, you know, Critic, writer, band leader. Started the Black Co- Rock Coalition. One of co- co- yeah, with Black Rock Coalition, one of the co-founders. Yeah. And um, he said, yo, man, there's going to be a party for, for, for John Michelle. So I went to this party, and like, you know, it was David Burner's there. All the, all the downtown folks were there. And he was kind of a, just a cool dude, you know. And when I met him, I was introduced to him. And uh, he was very friendly. Just, and then sometime after that, I was I was in almost on Bowery, and I ran into him. He said, "Hey, man, you gotta come, you gotta come, you know, yo, Vern, you gotta come by my studio, you gotta come by." And and I went on tour, and and uh, and he had passed. Mm-hmm. And I was t- and it was just. Uh, a real drag, cause I, cause I felt like I would have, 
I was looking forward to actually hanging. hanging with him and really getting to know him. Yeah. So that was very sad. That is very sad. That's very sad. But he's genius, you know. He's yeah, genius. total genius. And and you know, he started out as a as a graffiti minimalist, because yeah. he started out as Samo S A M O. Yeah. You know, Samo for those who dare. You know, he used to do these little. He did these little cryptic sayings, and he was he was active around the same time uh, uh, as Keith was. You know, Keith Haring. Yeah, he's around the same, and Keith Haring was doing right right. Keith Haring was doing the, the, the glowing babies, mm -hmm. and Jamsha Basket was doing Samo yeah. all over. You crossed paths with Lou Reed? I did. I did cross paths with Lou Reed, yes. <laughs> How come you always ask about Lou Reed on every, well, every Lou podcast? Well, about all New York people. I mean, I like love that. Lou, but Well, Lou was, you know, this was back when Lou had this... He had this great band with Tony Smith and Fernando Saunders uh -huh. and Mike Rathke. Right. And at one point, he called me because he was he was interested in kind he of... He loved guitar and all that. He loved guitar. He was the he pedal. Liked guitar, he liked guitar. He was into, Tech. Guitar, it, like... Yeah, he was strange. Yeah, you wouldn't think that Lou techie, Reed would, yeah. would... But he kind of was into it. And he was really interested in kind of guitar synthesis. Yeah. And he asked me about this particular thing, guitar synthesizer thing. And I actually kind of went into a whole thing about, yo man, you check out this and check out that. And he was into it because because at that time I think Mike Mike Rothke was also doing some of the guitar synth stuff. Yeah. So he was he was interested. He had a Moog guitar too. Did you ever mess with a Moog guitar? I have a Moog, I have a Moog guitar. I have one too, but I need to get a new uh a new cable for the new you know pedal what? thing. You know what? You know that Moog is now owned by all by the employees. Oh, is that right? Moog. They don't make the Moog guitar anymore. But you can still get it serviced, I think. Oh, you can? Yeah, you just reach out to them. Okay. Reach out. Definitely reach out to them because I, I had to get mine. I need like to get it because I love that thing. Yeah, it's great. Well, it's the sustain thing is crazy. The sustain thing I is tell you, nuts. Have you heard this, this pedal called a freak out? No. It's made by Digitech. And what is that? And you can get them on Reverb. Reverb uh -huh. is like, forget it. Reverb is no, I've the already, site. Yeah, I've bought a few things off Reverb recently. So, so um, the Freak Out the freak out. is a little silver pedal, and it's made by Digitech. And basically what it does is that it allows you to have controlled feedback mm -hmm. on any note. So it kind of does the Mo guitar thing? It kind of does. And it... And you can have like a feedback that's that's unison. You can have an octave down. You can have a two octaves up. Really? They took an anti-feedback circuit and reversed, reversed it, it to create feedback. Interesting. It, it's a super... Let me tell you something. You will love it. Okay, the freak out. And then what else should F -R -E -Q I... F-R-E-Q. And what out. should I get for Chase Bliss if I get one Chase Bliss pedal? If I let myself have if one? If you want to get one Chase Bliss pedal, yeah. well, the warp... I think warp vinyl... What's that do? It, it sounds like a record. It sounds kind of. It's like a. It's like a vibrato pedal. I, I just got a vibrato from Bear Bear something. What is it called? Yeah, Barefoot or something. Hey, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. Man, Dude. it's been it's been real. Thank you so much, man.
Yeah. Vernon. I'm really, I so enjoyed the convo. Listen, me too. And you were like the first guest we wanted to even have on this podcast. Before we oh, I know. I'm so sorry we didn't. We, no, it took us a this, while to do this it. This is perfect. This yeah. is perfect. So I'm just really happy that yeah, you came and did it. Yeah, it's really nice that the Met. The, we're in the Metropolitan yeah. Museum. Yeah. Do you have time to say what this show that you're? Playing yeah, we're is? doing. Yeah, we're doing. Uh, this this show we're in rehearsals for, uh, the history of our future, mm -hmm. and it's a retrospective. It's it's part of the Mets doing this whole thing on, on music and musical instruments and things. Yeah, but this oh, is like a, a retrospective Black Rock Coalition retrospective of a bunch of different musics. And um, it's, uh, you know, and this is going to be the, the band, the family stand. It's the reunion of the original family stand, which hasn't happened in, in, in that's the big deal that's happening. Is yeah. the reunion of the original family stand. A lot of wonderful songs and great musicians. It's fantastic. It's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, cool. Thank you so much. Thanks, let's, do, let's do a photo real quick. That's cool. Yeah. Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. <laughs>